0: Let's talk more about the governor of New Mexico. If there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old, and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? She made the comment, all constitutional rights, including my oath, It's kind of interesting, she lumps those together. Uh, your, your, your oath is not a constitutional right, but okay. Constitutional rights, including my oath, are not absolute. Well, let's, let's go through that a little bit. Is, I mean, is that a true statement? Well, the Supreme Court has defined the process. As I mentioned earlier, the Supreme Court has defined the process by which any particular government restriction that bumps up against a constitutional right, the government's defined the process by which we define whether that's legal or not, whether it's constitutional or not. And is it, is it 100%? In other words, is the governor right to say no constitutional rights are absolute? <clears throat> well, it's debatable whether the founders intended for them to be absolute. And a lot of people would say yes. And a lot of people, in response to this kind of an argument, quote the, the, the last few words of the Second Amendment to say, what part of shall not be infringed do you not understand? And, and, and it, it's appropriate to do so. But as the, the, the case law has developed and how the Constitution has been interpreted, including the Second Amendment, by the Supreme Court primarily, that it is a true statement to say no constitutional right is absolute. And everybody wants to say, yeah, you, know, you can't yell fire in a movie theater. Well, you can if there's a fire. People always want to forget about that. And secondly, the the, the the basic point there is to the extent that you're inciting panic or a riot, and there's a law against that, that in some jurisdictions that's been upheld as being constitutional. And so, so, yes, to some degree it is true to say that as interpreted by the Supreme Court, no right is absolute, but that misses the point of the fact that the Supreme Court has defined the test by which, by whether we would determine. You can't just say, "No constitutional right is absolute," so I can do any damn thing as the government as the governor of New Mexico or <clears throat> as the mayor of Indianapolis that I want to, because no constitutional right is absolute. That's not the way it works. You have to take any particular restriction, and in the defense of any particular restriction, like no carry of firearms in the city of Albuquerque, or no concealed firearm carry whatsoever in the city of Indianapolis, as Mayor Hogsett has not only proposed, but the Indianapolis Marion County City County Council has passed. They've said, well, we can't do this because it's illegal under the preemption law. I think kind of missed the point of, oh, by the way, it's unconstitutional as well. But they've said, well, if and when the preemption law goes away, this goes into effect. So it's passed. It's passed the Indiana, the Indianapolis City County Council. The Democrat controlled supermajority on the city county council has passed this damn thing. And it's the same, it's the same question. And we heard the same damn argument. I went to the hearing in the Public Safety Committee of the City-County Council here in Marion County. I was there. I testified. And you had a lawyer say the same thing. Well, no constitutional rights absolute. Well, that's not really the point, is it? Because the Supreme Court defined the test. So what's the test? And this is the added import and the added impact of the Bruin decision just from last fall from the Supreme Court. Because again, the holding, the, 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 the fundamental holding that anyone with any kind of reading comprehension whatsoever is going to pick up in, in, in five seconds after having read the opinion is that the carry of a firearm outside the home is a fundamental right protected by the Second Amendment. And turning that into some kind of government-bestowed privilege Is unconstitutional well if the government simply allowing that right on a discretionary basis is unconstitutional because some people have that right and some don't what do you think about a complete ban of carrying a firearm outside the home so mayor hogshead here in indianapolis says oh well we're going to ban the concealed carry of firearms completely i'm sorry supreme court in bruin just said only Allowing certain people to carry on a discretionary basis is unconstitutional. You're not allowed, you're not going to allow anybody to do it. How's that passed that same test? And then, not to be outdone, the Republican, Jefferson Shreve, comes in and says, Oh, yeah, I like that. Let's roll back constitutional carry in Marion County. Oh, yeah, let's ban the most commonly owned. Rifle in America, the AR-15, and other so-called assault weapons, the political term that anti-Second Amendment politicians and activists attribute to the most commonly owned rifles in America. And they ignore completely what the Supreme Court has said about how we determine whether these things are constitutional or not. What, what, what is that test, and how did that change after the Bruin decision? Not just because they ruled on the carry of firearms outside the home. And New York's discretionary May issue handgun licensing scheme But because they said, no, the historical test that a lot of courts all over the country have used to determine whether a restriction on Second Amendment rights is constitutional or not, that's not the test. They threw it out. I'll talk about what that was, why it's been discarded, and what the new test is, and why incredible idiots like the governor of New Mexico and, yes, the mayor of Indianapolis— what they either don't understand or refuse to acknowledge, and I think it's probably the latter, because even if they're idiots, which they're probably which they probably are, they surely have somebody on their staff who can pop up and say, hold on, wait a minute, you might want to consider this, because it's basic first-year law school stuff to understand what the law actually is in this area. If they just choose to disregard it because they're playing to a political base in order to gain votes. There's a test. Somebody ever looks at you and says, no constitutional rights are absolute, and everybody wants to use the fire in a theater thing. Well, hold on. We don't have to go through that debate. The Supreme Court's defined exactly how you determine what's constitutional and what's not. And for a long time, at least as to Second Amendment rights, Courts across the country, without the Supreme Court having weighed in on this at the time, were using sort of a balancing test. And they looked at what level of scrutiny a law should be put under, and the level of scrutiny to some degree was determined by what the what the, the compelling need of the government was to pass some particular law or regulation or restriction. And so courts would say, oh, well, the government has a compelling interest in keeping people safe or or limiting mass shootings. So the government has this important, compelling interest. And then they looked at the extent to which a particular regulation, the one that's under examination, essentially how much of an infringement it really was on the Constitution, on the Second Amendment. And say, well, it's just kind of a little bit of an infringement. Okay, we're going to ban this particular kind of a gun, like an AR-15, for instance. But gosh, you still have other guns available to you to defend your home, defend your family. So it's not really that much of a restriction. It's just limiting one particular kind of firearm. So between the government's compelling interest and the fact this isn't really a major infringement on your right... They are going to apply a level of scrutiny that says, oh, yeah, that's just fine. It was a balancing test to some degree that balanced the needs of the government with the degree of infringement. And, and frankly, it was a recipe to allow courts all across the country to uphold whatever gun control laws the local government wanted to impose. Or the federal government as well. And, 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 and we saw this happen over and over again. In fact, there are several decisions out there, for instance, that uphold an assault weapon ban. Again, you hear me use assault weapon. Please understand. I know that's a political term. It's made up. It's made to demonize the most commonly owned rifles in America. I get it. But that's the nomenclature that's used in a lot of these statutes. And, yes, they do have a definition of assault weapon. It's a goofy definition. It makes no real sense if you're actually talking about keeping people safe. But they do define it in these statutes. So the Supreme Court's decision in Bruin, first of all, is directly relevant to when an idiot mayor in Indianapolis or an idiot mayoral candidate as a Republican wants to restrict your right to carry a firearm in public. Or wants to ban the most commonly owned rifles in America. It's directly relevant to those issues, but more importantly, what it also did is it redefined the test, and it threw out this level of scrutiny, this balancing test. It just threw it in the trash. Said, no, that's not the test. Test is the first is first to say, does this restriction impact a right that's protected by the Second Amendment, and that's based on the text of the Second Amendment. What the words say, what the words mean. And we've got some good decisions, the Heller case and the McDonald case from the Supreme Court, 2008, 2010, that tell us what the Supreme Court meant, or excuse me, the Supreme Court told us what the words of the Second Amendment say and what the founders meant when they read them, when they wrote them. And so we know what, what the Second Amendment means And on that point, if somebody ever comes to you and says, well, yeah, it's a right that needs to be well-regulated, so that just means the government can pass any law they want, because what part of well-regulated don't you understand? No, the Supreme Court came out and said in the Heller decision, 2008, well-regulated just means well-equipped, well-trained, fully functional, efficient, able to do its job, like a well-regulated clock keeps good time. Somebody wants to argue with you about the meaning of "well-regulated." Don't engage in the argument. Just say, "Excuse me," read the Heller decision from 2008, and go away. Then they'll say, "Well, it says in order, it says a well-regulated militia." So unless you're in the militia, which is the National Guard, the Supreme Court does nothing—or excuse me, the Second Amendment does nothing for you. No, Supreme Court said that the militia in 1789, 1791 when the second amendment was ratified was everybody, it was common man. So there's no restriction, there's no requirement to be in an organized military unit like the National Guard or any other formal militia for the second amendment to protect your individual personal right to bear arms. Supreme Court has decided that issue. We don't have to debate that anymore. So my point is the Supreme Court has decided what the words of the Second Amendment mean. So the first test is to look at a given restriction, like the governor of New Mexico, or the mayor of Indianapolis, wants to say you can't carry a gun in public. Well, does that impact the right to bear arms? Of course it does. So the next test then under the Supreme Court's analysis in the Bruin case, and this is the law of the land, there's no debating this, is to say is to is to question whether that restriction is consistent with the history and tradition of the regulation of that right throughout the history of this country, going all the way back to the founding. The history and tradition of the regulation of that right, that's been upheld in the courts. And as to the carry of a firearm outside the home and the Bruin decision, they said absolutely not. It's not consistent with the history and tradition of the regulation of this right. In fact, that's been a, fun, that's been a fundamental right and a, and a closely protected right under the Second Amendment since the Second Amendment was passed. And so, again, I'm belaboring the point, but it boggles my mind that someone who has reached an office like governor of New Mexico or even mayor of Indianapolis who doesn't understand that or understands it and is fully willing to disregard it. But one last point, and we'll move on from the idiot mayor of New Mexico. but But one last point when she says, she says, and no 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 right under the constitution absolute including my oath consider that for a minute and 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 and, and which he went on to justify well there's an emergency because people have died criminals have killed innocent people so there's an emergency anyone who reads the constitution and believes that a constitutional right is only a constitutional right until there's an emergency is truly an idiot Because Let me just tell you right now, and you heard it here, if the government can ignore the constitution anytime there's an emergency, the government will create an emergency to ignore the constitution. Write that down. If the government can ignore the constitution anytime there's an emergency, the government will create an emergency in order to ignore the constitution. That's not how it works. Our our founders wrote this beautiful, brilliant document, the Constitution. And thank God the anti-federalists insist that that we have a bill of rights ratified two years later. And it's for precisely that reason. Because we can't trust the bastards that are in office. That's the point. And we tied their hands, we put restrictions on them. And anyone who thinks that an emergency, however you define it, as a government official, allows you to ignore the Constitution, doesn't understand the Constitution. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it, but make sure you join us live at wibc.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7.